What's up to the uh, second service people? I'm so happy that some of y'all are here, and I'm happy, actually, I'm happy that all of y'all are here, but I'm very happy to see some people that I haven't seen in a while and uh, some new faces, and so we're pumped that you're here today. If today's your first time, we are finishing a sermon series called Marvel, and it's been on four of the miracles found in the book of John, and um, God's done some awesome stuff in this series, and we're really excited. Before I get into the um, sermon today, let me just tell you about Chains. Um, I never do this to the guys, and uh, we always plan our sermon series out, and we were, we were ready for what we were about to do in October, and uh, I just felt like a, I don't know what it is, it was either a bad burrito or a stirring from the Holy Spirit, so I hope it was that. I didn't puke, so I think it was that, and um, I just told him, I said, I, I really feel like we're supposed to do something on freedom in Christ, and in my time with Jesus, I had been uh, reading in Galatians, and I just said, I just feel like we're supposed to do this, and so I'm... I'm telling you, I'm asking you guys to commit four weeks to come and hear chains because um, it, is, it is just completely in how we are all in bondage and how we're freed in Christ. And it's, I, I, I'm really excited about it, so I hope you will be too, and, and we'll give you more information as you leave. And so we're pumped about that. But today is, um, of the four miracles that I've talked about, it's my favorite one. It, it really is. And I think I've said that every week, but this week, I'm serious. This is my favorite one because it is the picture of us. Like every one of you, every one of you with no exceptions, from the sixth graders in the room to the 60-somethings in the room, the picture of you and I is the story of Lazarus found in John chapter 11. And, and, and it's the story of Jesus who had a very close friend and who had died and that's what we're going to talk about today. But in the meantime, what had happened is Jesus had changed water to wine and started his earthly ministry. And in three years, these guys have been together and, and we're approaching getting toward the end. Some time had passed since Jesus fed the 5,000 people and then walked on the water. Some more time had passed and he had done some more healings and, and we're to this point. And, and I, I just kind of want you guys to picture it like this this morning. Like no matter where you are or in what state of, of like spirituality you're in, if you, if you think, man, I'm, I'm living for Jesus or I'm jacked up. That's awesome because we're all the same. We're all the same. And it'd be kind of like this. Imagine if I woke up tomorrow. I actually have a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. So let's just say, for argument's sake, on Tuesday, I go to the doctor and they say, dude, you have the rarest form of cancer we've ever seen. There's literally no chance for you to live. Matter of fact, you have about two weeks to live. Like it takes your breath away because you would begin to look and go, oh my gosh, I have to get my junk together. I need to tell my family bye. I, I can just imagine I would have a living funeral. And so we would celebrate the 33 years that I've been here. But that's it, right? I, I'm done. And then a doctor comes and says, dude, um, I, I've got this experimental surgery that we can try. And I'm not sure if it's going to work. I, I have no idea. But you're going to die anyway, so let me try it because it's for cancer research anyway. Let me just give this a shot. The chances of this working are less than one-tenth of one percent. Do not think it's even a possibility. But, but let me give it a shot. My answer would be absolutely. I mean, I'm dead anyway. Let's give it a shot. So, so I tell everybody bye, and I go into the operating table. The last thing I can remember is the mask on my face and tears running down my face because I know this is the last time I will be on this earth. And even though I get to go to heaven... When I die, I'll be away from my family. It'll stink. I don't want to do that. I take my last breath, and I wake up. 
not expecting to be awake, I look around and I realize that the experimental surgery that wasn't supposed to work, actually not only did it work, but it worked to perfection. I'm alive. The doctor looks at me, the surgeon, and he says, guess what, Mark? I don't know what the deal is, but this surgery worked and you're 100%. Not only that, but you don't have cancer and I don't think you're going to again. What would life be like if we really got to start over like that? Like we knew we were dead. We were dead walking and we got to completely start over because that is what salvation is. Like for everybody that may have said a prayer with a pastor sometime, or you think you made a decision for the Lord, you did not make a decision for the Lord until you realized that you were dead and you now get a second chance on life because you are alive in Christ. That is the picture. And, and this is what I see a lot of times when, um, when I just live life and I live life through social media like a lot of you guys do. And it doesn't have to be young people. A lot of the middle-aged people, uh, you, you're on social media like me as well because I get retweeted from some of you and and I tweet you back and we talk about different stuff and we mess back and forth. But like one thing that frustrates me, I'm just being honest with you, and this isn't about any of you guys in here, I promise. I hope. But, um, <laughs> but I get really frustrated when people put a, one post and it's like a Bible verse, to God be the glory. This is the most amazing thing ever. The God is so awesome. I invited 72 people to church. The next post, G, D, and F on Facebook. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to kick someone in the face. You know what I'm saying? Like I just get so mad. I don't get mad at you for cussing. If you want to cuss, that's awesome. Just don't say Jesus before. James chapter 3 says you should not praise Jesus and curse him with the same mouth. You shouldn't do those things. And when the world sees us do that, this is what they see. How many of y'all watch Walking Dead? I know some people have to watch Walking Dead, right? That's what they see. They're like, duh, those are mummies. Or zombies, I mean. Those are zombies, duh. I said mummies, that was awesome. That's later. That's that. <laughs> that's Lazarus. Those are obviously not alive, but they are walking. So it, they've got to be, right? And we walk out of here and we think, man, I've had a good touch to my soul. And then I just go back and I do the same things that I've always done. And listen, this is what I really believe. This is what I really believe. The reason that that happens is because we are walking dead. And there are characteristics to dead people that are the same characteristics that we have in our lives that are made obvious that we're not really saved or we're not really followers of Jesus. Let me just call it that way. Because I believe there's a lot of people in this room, a lot of people in this room, that with all your heart you've meant the prayer that you said or whatever the case may be, and like you really wanted to get saved, but the truth is you never really took the step of faith and followed Jesus. And for some of you, you did, but you've gone back. And you're that zombie. And today I'm giving everyone, everyone, all different places that you're at in your life. I'm getting, giving everyone an opportunity for all of us to do the same thing, and that is to be genuine, alive, everyone here alive, followers of Jesus. Because if you have problems in your life today, like crud is happening all around you and you don't know what to do, like you feel like the world is coming against you, welcome to the party. <laughs> because my world this week, y'all, I, I can't begin to explain Friends having issues and attacks being made and all this stuff. And I just laugh and say, Sunday's going to be stinking awesome. Because this is just part of life. Some of you guys have marriages that are in so much turmoil. 
I'm excited because I believe some of those are going to be healed today. And it's not changing your spouse, it's Jesus changing you. So will you pray with me and we're going to look at what God sees when he sees dead and what he wants in a life. God, uh, this morning, in just the next couple minutes, I pray that you'll take this story of your friend Lazarus. He was your dear friend and you chose to do it. God, I love this story so much because of all that is there. Um, I, I just pray this morning that you'll just, you'll just penetrate the hearts of people. Everyone that is listening in here could be watching on the internet. Every single person, God, change their hearts. Move us. I pray that we go from dead to alive this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I just want to give you two things this morning that I believe... God sees when he sees us, when he sees us and what God wants when he sees us. And, and the first one is we need to understand that all of us, all of us, we are all dead. Some of us were dead, which is awesome. But we're all like I was in that story of we've got the news that we have two weeks to live. We are we are more dead than that because we're actually we're just dead. We are dead. And we're all in need of a miracle, all of us. Now, let me give you a little bit of background of what's happening in John chapter 11, okay? I'm, I'm going to start in verse 21, so this is what's happened. In, in chapter 10, Jesus has continued to do miracles, and then he's teaching that he's the shepherd, that he, that, and, and people are starting to follow. He says, I am the good shepherd. In, in John 10, 10, he says, I, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and more abundantly. Follow me. And, and it says at the end of chapter 10, many people followed him. Many people started following him. And then right after that, he does something else to show us that he truly is who he says he is. And this is specifically for us. This doesn't make sense. He did not do, but it will, I hope. He did not do the miracle for Lazarus for Lazarus. Like he could have just thought and Lazarus would never have died in the first place. But he did it for us. And, and it says it in here that he did it for us. And so here's what happened before verse 21. Lazarus had gotten really sick. They sent word to Jesus. His disciples are with him and he's like, dude, we're going to go heal him? Because that's what you do. You're awesome. Like you spit on the ground and then you make mud and you put it on blind people and they can see. So obviously this is one of your best friends in the whole world. We're going to go heal him, right? And Jesus said, he's fine. He's, he's, just, he's just asleep. He's just, he's fine. And, and then they go back, are we gonna, dude, we're going to heal this person. And then word comes that he had died. And his disciples are astonished. Can you imagine being one of them and being like, did you pay attention to what they told you because they sent a telegram and they told you that he was going to die and he died and now you're dumb. Why didn't you do something? Don't we do that? Like, don't we tell Jesus, Jesus, I got these problems, bro. <laughs> I told you I got these problems. Like, you, I'm praying and you're not listening. I, I've told you like four times, Jesus, this is how I pray, Jesus, there it is, now fix it. And he's like, it's not a problem. Like at this point, when he's been dead and you're still traveling and you're still helping people and you're still preaching, and you're still going through life, at this point you're like, dude, you're senile. Because I've watched you take bread and fish and feed a bunch of people and I've watched you walk on water, which is crazy because I thought you were a ghost. Patrick Swayze was walking across. I knew that, like, I knew that all this stuff was happening, but, I, but seriously... You're senile now because dude is dead. What's wrong with you? And this is what happens. We're all dead. And Martha and Mary were the sisters of Lazarus, very close friends with Jesus, and this is what she said. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had 
been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's like, I know he's dead and he's going to be with you. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm glad I have that. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. That's all of us. Though we're dead, we can live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's us. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And I think this is a beautiful part of the passage because this is a woman who's lost her brother, who's very close to her, and she said, but I still believe that you're the Son of God. I still believe that you're who you say you are. I still believe that. But can you picture being there? They're four days into the funeral weddings, and funerals were very similar. It was a long process. It wasn't just a one-day thing, and you put them in the ground like we do. It was, it was several days, and they put them in the tomb, but they wept, and they wore sackcloth and ashes, and they put stuff on themselves, and it was all black, and they didn't show their face, and they were weeping uncontrollable. And, and a few verses after this, they, they, it, it, it explains the depth of how much they are crying, how broken they are. Now, can you just imagine what it was like to lose your brother? if you have a brother, or lose a sibling, or to lose someone that's very close to you, and what that must have been like, and to know the Savior of the universe that you have seen do miracles is right beside you, and he's basically telling you he's going to live again, but you think he's saying he's going to live in heaven. Like he's not going to live again here. Imagine thinking that. It was such deep hurt. They were so deeply hurt. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not joking when I say this. Of all the verses in the Bible that have meant something to me at some point in time, this did this week. Because I just thought, man, you know, when I'm hurting really bad, and sometimes we hurt really bad, don't we? I mean, sometimes things hurt really bad. Like people can say the stuff people say about you don't hurt. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Shenanigans, you know what I'm saying? It hurts, right? If people, when, the people that say that have never had anything bad said about them. They like live in a bubble because it hurts. And when, and when difficulty happens in our families, like when, when, when Leah and I are at odds or, or like one of, the, one of the, just someone in our family, when we're dealing with such difficult things, when health problems are happening and my marriage is falling apart and all these things are happening, I'm like, nobody cares about my problems. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. John chapter 11, verse 35. This is one, if you don't know any verses by heart, you, I promise you can memorize this one. Jesus wept, right? Everybody's got it. Y'all already have it. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. One of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible because of why he wept. Because yes, there was his buddy that was laying in a tomb inside of a deep rock with a stone covering wrapped like a mummy tight where he couldn't even walk. Yeah, he wasn't crying for him. He was weeping. He was not just tearing up like, like we do, right? All the men in here, you know what I'm talking about? Because we're dudes, we have to act like we're not crying. And so you bite your lip, which that's a lot of biting. And, and you do, like, for me, not, not for y'all. And, and so, like, we do everything we can, and we're like, we turn away, right? And we do whatever we can, and we'll tear up just a little bit. And we're like, it's not tears. I got something in my eye. And we don't want people to know that we're crying. Jesus wept. Like, his face was on the ground, and it was uncontrollable weeping. But this is the best part. It was for me and you. Like he was hurting at that moment for Mary and Martha and for all the people around there because they were hurting. Listen to me. When you hurt, he hurts. When you hurt, he hurts. 
Jesus was deeply hurt because his friends were wounded, because his friends were crying because their brother was, die, was dead and had been dead. And, and he was gut crying. He was ugly crying. Y'all know what that is? He was just, he had that look on his face and he couldn't even hide it and his mascara was running if he wore makeup. I mean, it was bad, right? And the part that I find so comforting in this as I'm reading this this week and studying, and I'm going through a difficult week, this is what I said, man. Thank you for hurting when I hurt. We do not have a high priest who is unable to understand what we go through, like Hebrews chapter 4 says. We do not have a high priest who is unable to understand. We have a high priest in Jesus. When I am hurting so bad, he is hurting with me because he's already hurt for me. And I am so grateful to have a God that knows that and loves me in the worst circumstances I can possibly be in. He's hurting right beside me. And while his buddies were crying all around him, he was weeping uncontrollably. And this is what I want you to know, the second point. It's not God's will for anyone to die. It's not God's will for anybody to die. He wants everyone to have life. It is not his will for any of us to perish and die. And by die, I mean spiritual death. By die, I mean like what I got, that diagnosis where there was no way I could live if I didn't get that experimental surgery. That's every person in this room. The diagnosis you've been given is there's no hope. And yet a miracle can take place, and it's Jesus. It's not God's will that anyone should perish. In John chapter 3, he's having, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus a few chapters earlier, and um, Nicodemus is like, how do I have eternal life? And he's like, you've got to be born again. For God so loved the word, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have everlasting life. But this is what he says right after. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the whole world can get saved. Like it's my will that everyone should live, but not everyone chooses salvation in Jesus. A lot of people choose to do their own thing, to try hard, to do whatever. God hurts when we hurt. Like um, I think it was about six months or a year ago, I mean, Haston was about six months old, and so now... He's into everything. You know what I'm like? Sometimes you just want to beat him because you tell him no and no means yes. And so he, he's into everything. He's an awesome kid. And he's really good, no kidding. But six months ago, he wasn't even crawling. And so if y'all have had babies, um, you know, like at that stage, you are very protective. Like Laney's five now. And if someone messes with Laney, redneck's coming out because it's going to get crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a redneck. I listen to rap music. But I'm going to get redneck <laughs> if someone... Someone messes with my daughter because I'm shotguns and bullets and stuff. It's going to get crazy. But, like, but when they're little, they can't help themselves at all, right? Six months old, Haston couldn't help himself at all. And so you're just extra protective. I'm like, I hope I don't break this because my hands are really big. And, you know, it's like crazy. And so when Haston was six months old, um, Josh and Austin and I get together at, at um, Josh's house sometimes. And we call it his man cave. We watch football because that's what men do. Come on. And so... We're, we're out there, and there might have been a couple of people that night. I can't, I can't even remember, but there's like a handful of us, and we're in the man cave watching football. And um, if Leah calls me when I'm hanging out with the guys, she's either got a problem or I've got a problem, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Normally she's just cool, and, and I'm not over there all the time, and so she doesn't call me. So when she calls me, I answer every time. And she called me, and I was like, hey, babe, what's up? And she said, I'm at mom and dad's house. Haston isn't breathing. We've called the EMS. And what I told her is, Leah, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm watching football, and I got, there's like two hours left in the game, and I'm not coming. Nope. <laughs> right? I freaked out. I mean, like, 
I don't freak out in crisis situations. I'm seriously pretty calm. Like someone can break their leg and I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's do when, when she said, Hasten's turning blue, like I don't know what to do. I was like, oh my gosh, oh, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. What do I do? What do I do? And Josh and Austin were like looking at me like, he's freaking out. And I ran to the car and I'll never forget the 10 minutes. It wasn't even 10 minutes from Josh's house to Phyllis and Tim's house, my in-laws. Um, I'm driving seriously, it was a little bit too fast, like 100 and a 35. And if someone would have pulled me over, I'd have been like, you come with me because you can help, right? He says, I don't care. And the feeling of helplessness, but not wanting my son to be in pain is something that I will never forget the rest of my life. Like I wanted to fix everything and I wasn't even with him. I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be happening. What if he dies? Like all these crazy thoughts were going through my mind. And I was like, this can't happen, this can't happen, this can't happen. Not now, God, please don't let this happen. And then I had this peace come over me. Just calm down. And this thought crossed my mind. If you care this much about your kid, how much more do I care about you? I was like, Like if Jesus, if I really love my son and my daughter that much, and I do, they're my babies. And I'm telling you, they are awesome. And I love them so much. But Jesus loves me so much more than I'll ever love them. And Jesus cared enough about me to send his son to die on the cross for me. And this is why he wept so deeply in John eleven thirty five, 35. Because he hurts when you hurt. And he loves us. And he did all of this for you. And here's why. It's not God's will for anyone to perish. Listen to what this says. Verse 38, it says, Then Jesus deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave. Will y'all picture it with me? We're going to pretend that right here, the uh, screen thing is the cave, and it goes back in. And so there's, there's, there's more people than are here. And they were gathered around at this funeral, and Jesus is here, and he's wept, and he's hurting, and there's a, there's a big rock in front of the tomb. And, uh, and, and Jesus comes in over to it. And this is what he said, deeply moved, he came to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. At this point, Martha, who was the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days. I'm going to translate in Mark terminology instead of the English standard version. It's going to stink. That cat's been in there for four days. Y'all had an animal in your house, like, like a mouse even, this big. If it dies in your air vent, What's it do? It stank. You know what I'm talking about? It's nasty. A squirrel gets under your house or something. I mean, it will make you puke. A, a human being does not smell good. I'm just telling y'all after four days. And so she's like, please don't do this to us. Like, I don't know what you're trying to pull. Can you imagine being the, um, the Pharisees standing over there, being the people behind and being like, what's he trying to pull now? Because what he did before was interesting, but this is blasphemy. All this has taken place while Jesus said this. Lord, it's been four days, he's going to stink. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you obey, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Listen to this. But I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Like I'm doing all these things so that they may believe. Not that he can be raised from the dead. Because I know he's going to get risen from the dead. Because guess what? He could have not died in the first place. And I want these people to believe. How awesome is that? 
verse 43, when, when he had said these things, he cried in a loud voice, Lazarus! Are y'all looking here? Like, just imagine. Come out! And the man who had died came out with his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. All right, before I continue, I have to tell you this, okay? When I was um, a teenager, like all my teenagers, I think from about 10 years old to about probably 20 years old, I was in the passion play at my home church every year, okay? And it was really good. I mean, we did a good job. There were close to 20,000 people that used to watch it, 2,000 people per service, like we sold tickets, and it was very well productive. Davin was always in it, and a couple other of our friends were in it. My dad was the narrator. I mean, we did a really good job. And um, I'll never forget the Lazarus scene, because it is dumb. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. But we tried. We tried really hard. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from us. But, like, I've thought back, especially this week, and this is, like, it doesn't make sense, okay? So this is what we did. This is what we were taught to do. First of all, if you've never been in a play, you have to show emotion with your hand as you sing, because it's a musical, right? But you can't show this hand because it blocks your view. So we're showing this hand. Because Jesus had just said, this is how the scene went. Lazarus, come forth. And then the drums, and then Lazarus just walked out. And so like everyone would do, if a dead person just got up right there, we would all go, what would we do? <gasps> just an expression of gasp. And then you would immediately sing, because that's what you do when you see a dead person. I don't remember the song. I wish I did, because I would sing it for y'all. But like my thought is, you've got to be kidding me looking back. That's not what I would do. I thought what I would do. And I can't really comprehend how I would react completely. But I know it wouldn't be good, and here's why, okay? I apologize ahead of time if y'all are offended by stupid things because I'm about to do something stupid. So I'm going to be Lazarus. Y'all ready? I'm going to be Lazarus. And Lazarus has just come out of the tomb. Now, what's the problem with the play that we did is Lazarus came out like this. Guess what? He was mummified, seriously. So his feet are completely bound. So how would he have to come out? Y'all can say it. Hop. That's the right answer. So he either, the Holy Spirit either picked him up and pulled him out, or Lazarus did this, which this would add to the play, in my opinion. So he's back here, right? Lazarus, come forth, and then you see Lazarus hopping out. And Jesus, being awesome and how nice he is, he's like, seriously, please stop making him hop. Can we, un we, we don't, let's, let's just untie him. I've always thought, <laughs> what would it be like to be there, right? Like, I want to see a rewind of what had actually happened. Hopefully when we get to heaven, we, I want to see Lazarus come out because, did he hop? I want to know if he hopped. Because he had to either hop or Jesus picked him up. And like, just, it's like using the force. But I, like, I'm sure he could do that. But I think he hopped because it's the only other option, right? But he came out, and this is what Jesus did. Listen. He said, unbind him and let him go. And he did all of these things, all of these things, to show us what we look like in the eyes of God. Like there's some people, chains are coming up, there's some people in here, you look like Lazarus. Because every person in here is that. With no exceptions. We are all dead in need of a miracle. Like we're laying on the table and, and the doctor says, you're done. Because I deserve eternal separation from God forever and forever and forever and forever. That's what I deserve. If anyone in here, like you look at it and you say, you know what? I agree, Pastor Mark. 
Those people, they deserve it. You've missed the point altogether. Those people don't deserve it. I deserve it. Like I'm completely a mess with my life. It is, I have never been a day in my life where I've been without sin, never. The day that I think I've been without sin, I'm prideful and lying, so there's, there's that. Never. I deserve complete and total separation from God, and yet, listen, he did a miracle. He took a dead person like me and he made him alive, not because of what I did, but because of what he did in me. And the reason I'm alive today and the reason that I can stand up here is not because I've studied a lot. That has nothing to do with it. It is only because of what Christ did in me that I can stand up here. Now, 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 here you go. Listen to me. I'm about to read Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm closing up. I'm done. I want all of you to consider where you are with Jesus. Because this is a closing for all of us, and I believe Paul beautifully articulates what, what John was telling us that Jesus did in John 11 to Lazarus. Like, this is all of us. Listen to what it says. Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Trespasses is, is a debt that I owe because of what I did. I, I, I am dead because of the sin that I've committed. Like I, the, the wages of sin is death. That's what, that's what Romans chapter six, verse 23 said. The, way, the wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, he says, he says you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies and minds. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Stop right there. Like if we look like the rest of them, like if, if we look like the rest of mankind, right? The rest of mankind. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get that off my mind this week when I put that post on Facebook. I'm so tired of people acknowledging Jesus with their lips and then denying him with their lifestyle. Like if we're truly children of light, let's be light out there. Like we don't need to be light in here. We are illuminated in here because we're all children of light. What happens when we go out there and we're children of light? We make a difference. It is time that people look at me and they say, he's not, he's, he's, he's not, he's not a zombie. He's not walking dead. Like I can, it's obvious they're slow, right? I, no, he's alive, but he's not alive because what he did, he's alive because of Jesus. If I am not different than I was before Jesus, he's never done a work in me. Everyone can tell if I'm alive or if I'm not. If I am salt and light, I purify and I show grace. And everyone sees Jesus when they see me. If we want to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel, like our vision and our mission in this church is, I have got to be light when I'm out there, not in here. It is not hard to be light in here. It is awesome. I love raising my hands and singing. The worship was awesome today. Let's worship out there. So when you have a waitress that's hurting and she's rude to you, instead of being rude back, you can love on her and say, how can I help you? And you can leave her a nice tip and say, God loves you through his son, Jesus, and I love you too. When you see the person hurting at the gas station, you don't have to be rude to them and make fun of them. You can buy their gas and say, is there anywhere I can take you? I love you. Whatever we do for the least, we do for Jesus. And if we're truly followers of Jesus, people will be able to tell that. But if we're just 
coming in here going through the motions. Are we really alive? Do you know what I really believe? It's not just four points. Churches all over this world today are dead people walking. Because once we're alive in Christ, something happens that we cannot control. And it is not because the pastor can preach. It is not because the music is awesome. It is not because y'all volunteer and I'm so grateful for y'all. It is because living people start finding dead people and show them what they've got. Because guess what? If my surgery would have worked in cancer, guess what I'd have done? Dude, you got you got cancer. I've, I've got to show you this. You've got to be alive, right? I'm going to everybody that I know that has cancer. I'm saying, you gotta try this surgery. You can be alive just like I am. Well, guess what? You are alive in Jesus. It is time for us to tell all the people that they can be alive. And, and, and here's the thing for everybody in here that's not. A lot of you are like Lazarus where you're laying there and you're completely dead. You are rotting. Our sin stinks in the eyes of, in the nose of God. But all that can go away just like that. And you can be alive in Christ. And guess what? You're no different than me. I don't care what you've done in the past. Drug dealing, promiscuous sex, killed someone. You're no different than Mark. None. None in the eyes of God. He will throw your sins as far as the east is from the west. And this is what he says. You are children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, in our transgressions, or excuse me, trespasses. We were made alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved through faith. So, so can I be honest with everybody in here as we close? This is a different, this is a different ending than, than I've done maybe ever. Because it's for everybody. And you'll just have to decide how it is for you. I want you to be honest and answer this question. Do people recognize Jesus when they recognize you? Like I'm not saying, do they know that I'm a pastor? But in my actions and in my attitudes, the way that I love people that are unlovable, do people recognize Jesus when they recognize me? Because that is what it is to be alive. And that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Because I have trusted him as savior. I put all my hope in him. I, I acknowledge that he died on the cross for my sins and he paid the penalty that I have. That, that death, he paid death by death so that I could be alive. And so for everyone in here, regardless of where you are, I wanna know, honestly speaking, I'm gonna ask everyone to stand up that, that will be honest. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. If you do not think you look alive to this world. In just a minute, I want you to stand up. Will you bow with me? I, just being honest, okay? In the first service, we had um, several people stand up. Pride will keep you in your seat, and that is the devil's favorite thing in the whole world, because I think pride is what sends, sent him out of heaven. And it's what sends more people to hell maybe than anything else is the pride that we have because we don't need Jesus. I'm just asking you to be honest and I believe at least half the people, if they're being honest, would say, Mark, um, I don't know that people see Jesus when they see me. I'm not sure that I am a child of light and I want to be that. I'm not asking if you want to get saved right now. I'm asking 
will you be honest and say, I need to be a child of light? If that's you, I just want you to stand up all over the room. Thank you. Stand up all over the room. All over the room, people standing up. I need to be a child of light. Who else will stand up and be honest? Thank you. Stand up all over the room. This is what I want you to do. There's a lot of people standing up. I want you to stay where you are unless that means you need to be saved today. And if you've never been alive, if you've never been alive, if Jesus has never saved you, there's, there's 10 plus people standing up right now. I just want you to move out. No one's looking. I just want you to step out and go to the back. We have someone in the back waiting on you. So if you'll just walk out the back, someone's waiting on you. Go right now. There's a couple people that are going to walk. Anybody else? I want you to go right now. If you want to be saved right now, I want you to go. Does anybody else say, Mark, that's me? Hey, listen to me. If, if your marriage is a mess, if your marriage is a mess, you're never going to fix your spouse. But if you're light, it will be amazing what happens. If your children are a mess, you're never going to fix your kids. It's not your job to fix your kids. It's your job to love them like Christ loved them. Be light. For us to make a difference in this world, I'm, I'm begging you to be salt and light this week. Will everybody stand? Everybody stand with me. We're going to close in worship this morning. I absolutely love this song. Two things real quick. One, next week we're going to do baptism. The two people that said yes to Jesus this morning and a bunch of other people, Lord willing, are going to get baptized. If you've never been baptized, you were saved a long time ago, I want you to go back in the back, please. <laughs> Not trying to be a boss. I want you to go back in the back and sign up for baptism. If you're like, dude, I wasn't serious about it when I did it when I was six, like I did. When I was 17, I got saved. I want you to do business with God. I will baptize you next week. We're going to have a party. It's going to be amazing. So I want you to sign up for baptism today. We are starting our small groups this week. Sign up for that. It's going to be amazing. We have, I'm doing a, um, a Sunday night, New Believers. Uh, we got a couple other options back there. I want you to sign up for that. And then next Sunday for our students, there's several students in here, I want you to come next Sunday night. It's going to be jamming. Our band's going to play. It is going to be amazing. We're going to have pizza, cornhole. No one can beat me at cornhole. I'm just being honest. Y'all say it in the back. Say amen if y'all believe that. Amen. All right, I said it if y'all didn't. I'm undefeated in life. Just kidding. I lost yesterday. That was a joke. Uh, but we'll have a lot of fun, so y'all come to that. Listen. The way that we make a difference is not just passing out a card. It's loving people that are unlovable and being light in this world. This week, let's be the church and love everybody. Let's worship as we close.